lifetime, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Wednesday, December the 1st, you have survived November. Uh, Isn't it amazing how fast this time is flying? I guess for some people it probably feels slow, but I don't know. I feel like the time is flying by right now. Christmas is right around the corner, which means it's not yet. Okay, so you still have a few weeks before you have to listen to Christmas music or put up any decorations. So don't feel pressured. Happy Advent to you. But we're going to have a great program today. In fact, Bishop Joseph Strickland's going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. We're going to conversate with him uh, not only about the fall USCCB assembly meeting, which included this document on the Holy Eucharist and communion, a lot of controversy over that document. We'll get his thoughts on that, as well as talking to him about what we ought to be focusing on this Advent season. So that's coming up with Bishop Strickland, 35 past the hour. At 15 past the hour, Bree Dale from uh, Intersections, which is a show heard right here across the GRN on Mondays at 4 p.m., but she's also a journalist with the Epic Times and other outlets, and she's going to be on to talk about the media spin in regards to the Green Pass protests happening in Rome and all over Italy, Europe, and beyond. And uh, we're going to be talking to her about that story, plus the church's response to those that take issue with the Green Pass at 15 past the hour, all of that in today's program. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Praise be to God. We just had an in-depth conversation about what to be drinking before the show starts. And uh, what is your beverage of choice? Are you? Uh, black or do you frou-frou that thing up? Do you? Are we talking full cream, half and half? Well, I mean, what are we talking here? Full cream. Yeah. Yeah, no sugar. Amen. I'm black all the way. Uh, speaking of full cream, though, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. <laughs> speaking of full cream, oh my goodness. Good morning, I, I am very uncomfortable by that, uh, that, that introduction. Yet, nonetheless, no, it is, uh, it despite of it all, it yeah. is still good to be here. Praise be to God. And, and your beverage of choice? My beverage of choice. It switches every day. I'm trying to find out what I like, and I hate everything. That's <laughs> pretty much. Because I, I don't like coffee, and I also don't like literally anything else that i try so it's just like i'm trying a different thing and uh everything tastes gross so and maybe i should just have dr pepper like just constantly dr pepper for breakfast i i love i love dr Pepper. if it wouldn't like kill me i would just constantly be drinking dr pepper like all day every day i used to back in the good old days about 150 pounds ago i used to drink uh three liters of dr pepper per day and probably, I'd, you know, a pound of peanut M&M's to go along with it. Minus the peanut chaser. M&M's, I could probably do the three liters of Dr. Pepper every day. <laughs> yeah. uh, I could probably do that. <laughs> it was. Uh, not in Houston specifically, but it was in Texas. I actually went to the uh, Dr. Pepper Museum last year. Did you? Uh, yes, I did. I, I really, Fantastic. really love Dr. Pepper. It's, it's like, kind of a problem. <laughs> they call it Texas problem. water for a reason. <laughs> like I said, full cream. Okay, full cream. Uh, well, praise be to God. Uh, we're going to have interesting conversations beyond the, your drink of choice in the morning. I, have, I, I try to get in at least 72 ounces per day of black coffee. It's the recommended dosage of caffeine, I would say, for me anyway. But I'm looking forward to our conversation. I had a great conversation with Bishop Strickland when I was in Baltimore a few weeks ago. His, uh, you know, He's such a great 
uh, witness for our times, a bishop, humble, not afraid of difficult questions or difficult conversations, not afraid of engaging people and being out there with the faithful who are praying, who are marching, or who are even rallying. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said, one of the great takeaways that I had was, you know, these men are good men, meaning the bishops. And he was speaking that to us. So in many ways, he's kind of a... A mediator between the lay faithful who are scandalized by the what's going on in in our times of scandal in the church and the hierarchy of the church. So we're going to have a conversation with that about that coming up at uh, thirty five past. <clears throat> I'm also looking forward, as I said, to having Bree Dale back on the show. It's been a long time since we've had Bree on, uh, and uh, we're going to be conversating about some of the media manipulation about the Green Pass because I saw some video on Twitter of the protest in the. Um, and the famous, uh, what, do you, what do you call that, little ring there that the uh, where, uh, oh, what's his name? Ben-Hur. Remember Ben-Hur? Or the, the film, that uh, famous cart race scene, like in, the, it, no, not in the Colosseum. What's the other place? Right outside Rome. It's right, in, right, out, it's right outside the Colosseum area of Rome. There's like a little uh, old arena there where like Ben-Hur did the cart race thing. Uh, they had a huge protest rally there for the Green Pass, and it was caught on video. I mean, it looked like a rock concert. It was so huge. So we're going to conversate about that with Bree Dale coming up at 15 past. So let's jump in, let's pray, and let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos.
day is massive. The gospel is massive. The saint of the day is Saint Natalia. She was born in the 3rd century. Saints Adrian and Natalia were pagans who were married for one year prior to their martyrdom and lived in Nicodemia during the time of Emperor Maximum. Her husband Adrian, the head of the Praetorium, watched as Christians suffered with such courage for their faith that he declared himself a Christian. He was ordered to be thrown into prison. His wife Natalia, knowing that her husband was to suffer for Christ, rejoiced since she herself had secretly turned from paganism to Christianity. She hastened to the prison and encouraged her husband, saying, You are blessed, my Lord, because you have believed in Christ. You have obtained a great treasure. Do not regret anything earthly, neither beauty, nor youth, nor riches. Everything worldly is dust and ashes. Only faith and good deeds are pleasing to God. They released St. Adrian from prison to tell his wife about the day of his execution. At first, St. Natalia thought that he had renounced Christ and thus had been set free. She did not want to let him into the house. Adrian persuaded his wife that he had not fled from martyrdom, but rather he had come to give her the news of the day of his execution. St. Natalia continued to encourage her husband. She asked him also to pray to God for her that they would not force her into a marriage with a pagan after his death. The executioner ordered that his hands and legs of St. Adrian to be broken on the anvil. Fearing that her husband would hesitate on seeing the suffering of the others, St. Natalia asked the executioner to begin with him and permit her to put his hands and legs on the anvil herself. St. Natalia took the severed hand of her husband and kept it at home in a place of honor. After Adrian's death, an army commander asked the emperor's approval to wed St. Natalia, who was both young and rich. But she hid herself away in Byzantium. St. Adrian appeared to her in a dream and said that she would soon be at rest in the Lord. St. Natalia, worn out by her former sufferings, soon fell asleep in the Lord. She died in the 4th century. St. Natalia, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 37. At that time, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee went up on the mountain and sat down there. Great crowds came to him, having with him the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others. They placed them at his feet, and he cured them. The crowds were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the deformed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind able to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd for they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want, them, want to send them away hungry for fear they may collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we ever get enough bread in this deserted place to satisfy such a crowd? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few fish. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets full. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, there's a few things I would love to sit here and uh, talk about, but given the, the brevity of time that we have left, let me just mention this. There is a discussion among the early church fathers, even biblical scholars, as to whether or not this particular account of the feeding of the masses is a different account or the same account as previously mentioned in Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. I think it's chapter 14. And here's what Ignatius Catholic Bible study says. The feeding of the 4,000 is similar in the episode in 1413, verses 13 through 21. Differences lie in the number of people, the number of loaves, and the number of leftover baskets involved. Both narratives emphasize the miraculous miraculousness of Jesus' sign and the abundance of bread provided. However, uh, St. Hilary says, at that as that first multitude, which he fed, answers to the people among the Jews that believed, so this is compared to the people of the Gentiles. The number of 4,000 denoting an innumerable number of people out of the four quarters of the earth. Even Cornelius Alapide in his commentary today, quoting St. Jerome, points out that the incident just before this in Matthew 15 is the encounter with the woman, the Gentile woman begging for God for Jesus to heal her daughter. So this is a different event. Even St. Augustine points that out. This is a separate miracle. That means our Lord is telling us encompassing into the one family of God is the whole world. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us and Bree Dale's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Are the biblical miracles too far-fetched to believe? Dead people rising, blind people seeing? How can a rational person believe such things? Well, it might seem irrational to believe relative to our general background knowledge, but relative to specific evidence, the obstacle of improbability can be overcome. For example, it's improbable for someone to rise from the dead. But if there were credible eyewitness testimonies, as in the case with Jesus, then belief would be rationally justified. Second, many skeptics often don't consider the improbability of the reported miracle being false. With regard to Jesus' resurrection, it's unreasonable to believe the apostles died for what they knew to be a lie, or that many different people had the same hallucination at the same time on different occasions. So miracles are not too far-fetched to believe if there is sufficient evidence to justify belief. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler in Texas is going to be our guest to talk about his, his uh, USCCB fall assembly experience. I had a great opportunity to, to be there with him for the men's march, and we had a conversation about... Uh, I just wanted to thank him at that time to... Uh, for interceding on behalf of so many of the faithful who are scandalized by the what's going on in the church today. 
And we're going to get his thoughts on the Eucharistic document. We're also going to get his thoughts on what we ought to be focusing on this Advent season. That's coming up 35 past the hour. Right now, though, the host of Intersections on Monday, 8 a.m. Central across the GRN is Bree Dale. She is a, a journalist with the Epic Times and other outlets, and we're very grateful to have her on the program again. It's been a long time. Good morning to you, Bree. Hey, good morning from Rome. How are you doing? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. And uh, we're we're grateful to have you back. It's been a long time. Uh, there are uh, several stories yeah. in the in the news that uh, I've been wanting to talk to you about. But let's talk about the Green Pass. Um, there have been reports that there are massive rallies going on. I know that's you got to kind of dig for them a little bit. But we're seeing that. Plus, we're seeing. Uh, pushback from people in the Vatican about those that would protest the Green Pass. What's really going on there? So we have two Green Passes now, the Super Green Pass that's going to start on 6th of December and then the regular Green Pass. So which one are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bree. That was very, very good. I mean, like, golly, you now I'm even more depressed than I was a minute ago. Uh, Tell us, maybe start with what is the Green Pass? Like, what are we talking about when we say the Green Pass? Right. So I think people need to realize that um, throughout Europe, most countries have universal health care. And with the universal health care comes government in, you know, inclusion in in what your medical records have. And so um, what the Green Pass is, is um, once you have been diagnosed, let's say you have COVID and you recover uh, within six month period, you are seen as having uh, a natural immunity. So uh, you can you are designated needed as uh, being able to enter, you know, restaurants and venues and whatnot with this digitalized green pass. And that has your medical record on there with uh, respect to the COVID um, virus. And then uh, if if you haven't had COVID and you've uh, received the vaccines, um, you also uh, are qualified to have this green pass and be able to go into cafes and restaurants and the like gyms. Or if you um, have received the nasal swab test and you are um, negative with COVID within um, 72 hours, that you can also apply for the green pass so you can go into museums and whatnot. Um, up until uh, just a few weeks ago when the government now has declared that there's going to be a super green pass. And that's what's the difference now is the super green pass is you are only um, eligible for this is if you have had the vaccine and the booster or whatever, um, but you've had the vaccines and you or and or you've um, recovered from um, COVID. Uh, you are no longer able to access the super green pass with a negative test. Uh, and what that does, Joe, is that um, it is now um, you, you are not going to be able to go into restaurants, gyms um, and, and, and the like uh, without the super green pass. So um, it is it is it's taking you out of the running. Hmm. Um, to be uh, to be able to just you know um, be diagnosed or to to have a negative um, uh, swab and and you know Joe one one of the things that's really um, concerning is this is also now including mass transit so imagine if you are someone who is poor and um, you have to work throughout the day and not be able to go and get a vaccine, or let's say you are immune compromised and you are concerned about what some of these vaccines are, now you're not going to even be able to uh, use mass transit without the Green Pass. Um, so this is, it's just another example. So um, to, to speak to the, the protests, Joe, 
there have been protests throughout Europe. Uh, the last one just happening recently around the 20th um, of this past month. And uh, what's really concerning is that it's not gotten a lot of coverage in the media. In um, Rome, there are videos throughout um, social media that show you that there was just a massive protest in Circus Maximus. Uh, these are the same people that Nancy Pelosi and uh, the mainstream media call uh, anti-vaxxers, but most people have received their vaccines. They are just, um, they're, they're protesting the, the draconian measures that are being, uh, that are taken throughout Europe right now, you know, including uh, what is being discussed here in Italy as well, the, the, the Austria, the German uh, movements to ostracize and quarantine those who have not received the vaccine. Uh, so demonstrations took place, um, and it, it went on long throughout the night. On the 20th, um, people left around 3 a.m. from what I've been told, but it, it was throughout the day, throughout the evening. And yet, Joe, what we saw, and I, I have I've spoken about this with um, the Rome bureau chief of the New York Times, Jason Horowitz. Uh, he put out a, an article, Joe, and I, I, I'd love to get your take on it. Um, you know, he, he pushed back. Uh, I, he has been pushing back um, against uh, the protests and has been claiming some pretty offhanded and untrue statements. Um, Joe, uh, you know, your thoughts on that, because I, I'd love to get in, into more detail. But I know that you you probably just uh, took a look at this. You probably didn't even see Jason Horowitz's um, disinformation. Well, it's I, I, more of the same, right? Mainstream media has a has a particular agenda in the news. And so they, they, they focus on that and they stick to that line. So it doesn't surprise me. I don't follow his particular uh, news reporting, but it, I'm not surprised in the least to see that there is sort of a spin. We see it every year at the pro-life rally in Washington, D.C., for instance, the numbers are always sort of downplayed, and yet the crowds are, are pretty massive. And I'm, we're actually looking at the video clip that was on your Twitter feed of uh, the, the rally at Circus Maximus. That's what I forgot at the top of the hour, the name of the place, the Circus Maximus, which I've been to, uh, praise right. be to God. Uh, the crowd there is huge. And you know what gets me is uh, we saw when this video came out, we saw vi this video, we saw a video of massive uh, rallies in Australia, uh, we saw rallies even in Canada. I mean, we saw rallies all over Europe and beyond. They were coordinated. Yes, They exactly. were coordinated on the 20th. And yet, and yeah, yet. And, and yet they pushed this disinformation. Right, they, exactly. And like, uh, Jason Horowitz, I personally went to him after a Vatican, because he's a Vaticanista, after a Vatican press conference a few months ago when he put out disinformation saying that um, protests had quote unquote fizzled throughout Italy despite the Green Pass and that Italians are accepting it. Well, that was not the case. There were protests all over Europe, um, closing down the ports and whatnot. And I asked Jason Horowitz, why are you why are you claiming this? Are you willing to retract and correct? And he said, well, that's an editorial decision. And then he came on and he said that, you know, the, the reason behind what he's uh, they were putting out is that, well, you know, they weren't large enough or they weren't. <laughs> and I, I kid you not. He said they weren't violent enough. That's and a I said rock to him, concert well, going with, on there. I mean, it's massive. I know. It's, I mean, what's. What is going on? And, and and so when I what I when I spoke to him and I asked him to retract and correct, he said that that was a few months ago. They republished this article, same headline. It's fizzling, mm. and he, he said it was a paltry turnout in Rome. Bruce, and so what do you it, mean it's, by it's, a it's Vaticanista? Clear disinformation. What do you mean by a Vaticanista? 
Um, he's he is part he is part of the accredited journalists in in the Vatican. So he he is also covering what the Vatican is pushing out. Then and and if you take a look at Jason Horowitz, if you just Google his name under the New York Times, and you take a look about like what he's been pushing out since that particular article, it's been nothing but uh, COVID variant, um, you know, fear mongering. Um, so what what we see is that th this is the old gray lady, right? So this is mm. this is main establishment media. Um, he's been uh, personally now um, confronted for pushing this out, and you know this is what is what is being seen in the Vatican. So uh, on the second point, you know you have someone like Cardinal Perelin coming out and 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 making kind of a nothing burger statement on the protests that are happening. This is actually impacting people's work and lives and and income right now and it's uh, you know with with the conversation headed towards we're going to shut down they've already said um the government has already said uh joe that they're they're going to shut down um restaurants and pubs and wow. whatnot for christmas and for the first of the year it's already been said it's that's so, troubling but here let me ask are, let me ask you a question pushed. let me ask you a, a question to better yeah. understand um, we're like, like we just mentioned this video in uh, Circus Maximus. It's a massive crowd. It looks like a uh, like a rock concert, you know, or even a Trump rally. Dare I say? I mean, it's just massive. Uh, no, so I imagine that in this crowd is a very diverse audience. People who have been vaccinated, people who support vaccination, people who do not. I have to imagine that a crowd of this size is a pretty mixed audience. Would you say that's the case? Very. Very mixed. Um, since so the why, summer when so I, why, I was attending and covering that. So why then are um, you know, why then are they why then are they all coming together to say we don't want this green pass? Why would you have such diversity uh, rallying against the green pass? Number one and number two, with a crowd this size and a diverse uh, audience of this nature, why wouldn't the government listen to the will of the people? Well, I mean, Joe, I, it goes back to the, the question of, um, you know, the reason why these people uh, assembled in Circus Maximus and didn't actually do a walking protest like they've done before is because um, you remember the story of Nancy Pelosi being here and uh, they used the um, protests as a reason to escort her out of a, of a Catholic church. Hmm. Um, you know, the, it, they said that these people were anti-vaxxers extremists. These are the same people. And I will tell you, I've spoken to all sorts who are protesting uh, at these rallies since the summer. Uh, teachers, um, people who would consider themselves um, left, uh, center left, uh, center right, not a lot of um, really conservatives, um, except for religious conservatives who are protesting as well, for free choice on whether or not they use uh, they take the vaccine or not and uh, and that is the that's the essential nature of this that people are their lives are being affected their work is being affected and if you can't go and enjoy a meal during the the winter season here um, that's going to be affecting uh, restaurants and economies and they see it and uh, and the government is still pushing this because it seems like there's an agenda but it's very very clear that um, you know, they, they were, they, they made it really clear that no one could usurp the intent of the protest, which was what happened, uh, reportedly during, um, the, the protests that had some 
qualities of riots during, um, you know, when uh, Nancy Pelosi was here a few months ago. Um, and, and there's questions to whether or not that was also infiltration, uh, you know, agent provocateurs uh, trying to to mess around and, and make it seem like these are extremists. So um, they, 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 they really wanted to make sure that nothing like that uh, occurred. And that's why it was done at Circus Maximus. But they went throughout Europe because the uh, Europeans are pushing back on this now. But it seems like a little too late um, because these measures are being uh, enacted. And once you give power to a government, it's very, very difficult to get that power back. So we're seeing that happen, Joe. All right. Bree Dale, thank you for your time. We're very grateful. Tune in to Intersections with Bree Dale every Monday, 8 a.m. Central, 9 Eastern, or across the GRN and beyond. God love you, Bree. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, we're going to be right back. More Catholic Drive Time breaking news and Bishop Strickland's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Most of us can recall a childhood memory of innocence and a peace that only comes from God. Yet with our busy schedules today, many families don't attend church weekly or spend much time teaching their children about God. So many families now are burdened by financial and family challenges, substance abuse, and other worries. But there is hope. Studies show that people who pray regularly and practice their Christian faith are less stressed, financially stable, more compassionate, optimistic, healthier, and happier. Experience a positive difference in your life and for your family by coming home to your parish. Learn more by visiting catholicscomehome.org today. Here you may find answers to your questions and discover how Jesus and the sacraments will bless your family. There's no pressure or risk. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now by a phone is Bishop Joseph Strickland, Bishop of the Diocese in Tyler, Texas. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Your Excellency. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Uh, it was also such a delight to see you again when I was in Baltimore, and you were in Baltimore a few weeks ago, uh, speaking at the Men's March there. Uh, it's always a delight to see you, but in particular, I want to say uh, thank you for for just being such a strong and fervent witness to to the lay faithful, because I, th- I see you, and I think a lot of people see you as a mediator of, of sorts, a go-between of some kind between the faithful who are scandalized many times by some of the things going on within Holy Mother Church, and then, of course, the hierarchy. Do you see yourself that way, or I'm sure you've received tons of feedback? Well, Joe, I think um, that is one framework or one aspect of, of what I see going on. Um, I, I do hear the sheep in my area and beyond, and the, the deep concerns that I hear cause me to, to speak up with the beautiful truth of our life in Jesus Christ. Um, I think a lot of the bishops, I, I really don't know, but it seems that they don't, they're not hearing the sheep as directly as, as I am. And I can understand in these huge archdioceses, I mean, the Diocese of Tyler makes it much more, I'm more accessible and the people are more accessible to me. So I think that does create a dynamic where I hear people and their concerns very clearly. Not, you know, I get letters, certainly, but really just encountering people in my pastoral ministry around the diocese. So and I, I hope that I can serve in some positive way because the truth of Jesus Christ is the truth of, for humanity. And we need to emphasize that. There's no compromising it. There's no modernizing it, really. It's, it's an ancient truth that is ever new. Um, I wonder if there's an argument to be made here based on something I just heard you say, uh, that you are more accessible to, to the lay faithful in your diocese. Is there, an, it just made, made me think about this. Is there an argument to be made that diocese ought to be smaller to make it more accessible for the lay faithful and the bishops and the priests? Well, uh, I think that yes. And I've, I've read articles and, and seen some kind of speculation on that. It's, I think the smaller the diocese, I mean, it just makes sense. Even many parishes, I mean, we don't have what would be considered a mega parish in the Diocese of Tyler, but when a priest, and I know of parishes in other dioceses where one priest is serving 10,000 families or more, it's the same dynamic there. One person, no matter how holy, can't really connect in in meaningful ways with that many people. He can do a great job of getting the basic message out, but as far as accessibility, so I think extending that to the diocesan level, I mean, I really feel for some of my brothers that have these huge archdioceses or even very large dioceses where it's impossible, and the people say, oh, we never see the bishop. So it's a blessing to be in this rural diocese where Certainly, there's still just one of me, but I'm much more able to be in touch with the people and they to be in touch with me. 
You know, Your Excellency, one thing that I've noticed talking to, you know, traditional Catholics across uh, the world, because uh, technology is easier to talk to the people across the world nowadays, is you have become the bishop for a lot of like your average Catholics, because they feel as though like all the bishops are talking about dialogue and walking with people, and they and everyone feels as though people the bishops don't want to talk to them, they don't want to hear their voice, they don't want to accompany them. And but even though you are not like um, the staunch Latin Mass only kind of traditionalist. There, we, there so many traditionalists see you as their bishop because you're actually listening to them. Why do you think so many bishops talk about accompaniment and dialogue but refuse to dialogue with this group of people? Well, I, I confess I don't have an answer to that, but I do think it, at least part of it is the aspect of just being so overwhelmed with the administration and the day-to-day work. I mean, I'm busy as a bishop, even in a small diocese, so... I really can't, I don't know the answer, and it probably is somewhat different for each bishop, but I hear the need from the flock, Um, and Pope Francis has beautifully called us to smell like the sheep, and I have the chance to do that. I know that when they are afraid, when they're confused, when they're angry, uh, sometimes angry at me, but I, as a spiritual father and a shepherd, I need to hear that. I need to know what their concerns are. And we have the beautiful truth of Jesus Christ that really does set us free if we come to know him. And, and really, that's what I would emphasize is, as we talk about the, the more personal relationship with the bishops and bishops between bishops and their people, the relationship with Jesus Christ Really, I mean, it sounds simple, I guess it is, but that's what makes me speak up, because I know him. Um, Certainly, I want to know him more deeply, but I'm blessed with time before his presence and the Blessed Sacrament. He's really there, body and blood, soul and divinity, and he connects it all. He brings it all into focus and really gives me the strength to, to speak up. I mean, people... Thank me for being so bold. And as I've said before, it it really saddens me that just teaching the message of Christ, we do need to be bold, mm. but just the basic message to speak that clearly shouldn't be bold. It should just be something pretty matter-of-fact. Hold that thought. Bishop Joseph Strickland is our guest from the Diocese of Tyler in Texas. Right after this very quick break, we're going to get into the conversation about the document on the Holy Eucharist and communion from the USCCB Fall Assembly. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. That and more is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. 
If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Our guest is Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Praise be to God. And uh, we're having a great conversation, really about the fatherhood of the bishop, I think. It's kind of the heart of what we were just talking about. Uh, but I want to switch gears a little bit and talk very specifically about the fall assembly meeting and the document of great controversy, I would say, uh, at least among the life faithful, about uh, communion, the Holy what we believe about the Holy Eucharist, communion to those that would be public and ardent deniers of church teaching on the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and taking communion in a state of mortal sin, et cetera, et cetera. The, uh, dart, the document itself, Article 46, uh, says, quote, There are some sins, however, that do rupture the communion we share with God and the Church and, the ca- and cause grave offense to human dignity. Um, one of my questions, Your Excellency, was, well, number one, how, what, what are your feelings in regards to this document? How did you feel it went? What do you think worked? What do you think didn't work about your time at this particular USCCB meeting and this particular document? Well, Joe, um, the the good thing about the document is it did clearly state our Eucharistic theology. The body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ is really present in the consecrated bread and wine, in the great mystery of what the Eucharist is, who the Eucharist is. So the document was clear on that. It did go as far as acknowledging that there are serious consequences to basically proclaiming you don't believe significant teachings of the Church and still receiving communion. I I was honestly disappointed that it didn't go further, and mainly because of the teaching element. Um Really, Joe, I would say, you know, we probably, I've quoted before, all politics is local. Um, An adaptation of that that I would make as we speak this morning is that all faith is in the pew. Um, And I think that what we failed to do is tell the Catholics in the pew what is the proper disposition for receiving the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the the King of the universe, how do we receive him? How do we reverently and humbly receive what we could never be worthy of, but his word makes us worthy if our hearts are open? So that teaching element for my flock, and and honestly, I, I tried to do that with a letter to my flock because I kind of predicted in my own framework that we weren't likely, as uh, the Conference of Bishops, to go much further than the, the draft of the document did. And so to address the question for the person, and I literally said this in the letter, that we need to have the practice of 
for those men at the altar, deacons, priests, or bishops, and for the lay faithful, uh, the religious and lay faithful in the pews, we need to have the practice of really examining our conscience even as we're approaching the Eucharistic altar in the communion line in the typical parish. And I said, if you really honestly examine your heart, hopefully you've done that before, but at least before you receive the Lord to ask yourself, am I as without sin as I can be? Am I reconciled with the Lord as deeply as I can be? And if not, the most reverent thing to do is to refrain from actually receiving him at that time. And people frequently come forward and receive a prayerful blessing rather than actually receiving the body of Christ. Maybe they're not Catholic, or maybe they have recognized that, really, I need to get to confession. I had urged, as we were talking about this document, that to make a very clear connection between confession of our sins. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. We all are. But to make a clear connection between regular confession and receiving our Lord and Savior in his body and blood, soul, and divinity regularly. That, to me, is the catechetical moment that we we drop the ball on that because these national politicians weren't told to do that. Um, and so it telegraphs to the people in our pews that they don't need to do it either. And I think that's really harmful. Well, as you can imagine, there there are various committees, and the committee on, I think it was the Committee on Doctrine, um, or maybe Divine Worship, honestly, you know, I'm not a member of committees, and a tremendous amount of work goes into those committees for months ahead of time. They, They have various drafts and get input. On a document like this, it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't consulted about direct input, but we had the opportunity to do that um, as at the June meeting, as I said, I encouraged um, that we include very clearly confession and Eucharist, because in our life, living our Catholic faith, they should go very intimately together, because they're both encounters with the Lord in different ways. But the, um, so the, the drafting takes, you know, over months, with a committee primarily working on it, they come up with a draft, and then that draft is, we have the opportunity. Um, I made uh, some suggestions for edits in the, the area of scandal, because uh, it did mention scandal, but I think we needed to acknowledge this is scandalous to people, what is happening right now in the church, and it's happened before with politicians flagrantly denying what significant church teachings, not just on abortion, but on the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, and various other issues that, and as I said in in another place uh, in the meeting, we need to catechize our politicians. They're just children of God like all of us. And I think we tend to to treat them in, in some sort of special category, but you know, I have an obligation as a pastor to to teach everyone to the best of my ability. And whoever it is, they're ultimately just a son or daughter of God. Um, so the documents really 
has that whole process. I mean, it's a it's a conference of about three hundred bishops, and it's very complex, and it can it can become complex. But the basic process is that if this committee puts a draft together, the draft gets reviewed, and then amendments are made, and then a final document is voted on, and that's what we witness the end of at this last November meeting. We're talking with Bishop Joseph Strickland. He is the bishop in Tyler, Texas. Praise be to God. We have about, I don't know, four minutes or so left in our conversation, so there's a couple of things I still want to get to. Uh, one is Advent. I want to make sure we talk about Advent, and you got an event coming up. I want to mention that, but real quick, uh, Your Excellency, one of the questions that I've had, I know a number of lay faithful have, have just been wondering. I mean, this document makes it clear, Article 49, uh, to receive communion, a state of mortal sin is not a good thing. It's a horrible thing, and bishops have the responsibility to to uh, take action with persistent sinners here. So here's one of my questions. When all else fails, dialogue, conversation, everything fails, why are we not seeing uh, bishops use the tool of excommunication to try to win the hearts of these persistent sinners? Well, um, I, again, I don't have the answer to that, Joe. Uh, and even I would, um, in, in the spirit of what you're talking about, I would um, go more directly than even excommunication. That's a, a, a formal public um, um, statement by the church. But the main thing I would do is, I mean, you know, Canon 915 says that, that a bishop is obligated to do that in his local diocese. I would love to see, and, and I'm pondering that myself, I don't have any in this area we're very non-Catholic. Um, I mean, we're a small Catholic population. We don't have any Catholic leaders that claim to be Catholic. I mean, some of ours are, are very strong in the sanctity of life and other issues, but they, but any place that has, and some of the bishops have done that, not so much excommunication, but they have made clear instructions for the priests that people that are publicly denying basic teachings of the church should not be receiving communion. And the, the, the pr- local priest is authorized and really urged by the bishop to say no, and not to make a big public spectacle of it, but simply have the care of the soul of that person to say, reconcile yourself with church teaching before you demonstrate communion while being out of communion. I mean, it's sort of a practical, they've excommunicated themselves. They are out of communion by their stance on teachings and denying what the church says. Mm. Um, well, all right, let's transition here. Just a couple of minutes left in our conversation. You have an event coming up, the Festival Week of the Immaculate Virgin Mary. Tell us what this is, but I, I, in just the couple of minutes we have, I really hope you'll really help us to focus on what's important this Advent season. Well, um, Certainly, the Blessed Virgin Mary is at the heart of Advent, her beautiful presence with the Lord throughout his incarnation, from the moment of conception in her womb until she, he, her, his dead body is laid in her arms after he's taken down from the cross. So the Blessed Virgin Mary is the woman chosen by God to accompany the, our incarnate Lord, to be his mother and to be our mother. So what really struck me, just as the calendar falls, the second Sunday of Advent, this Sunday, December 5th, 
I have called for, for the Diocese, a festival week of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, because that second Sunday, continuing Advent, Wednesday, the middle of the week, is the, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And then, it's very important for our diocese, with our beautiful Hispanic faithful, the, the Our Lady of Guadalupe, that next third Sunday of Advent. So it just occurred to me that we really need to pray and fast and, and make this second week of Advent very Marian and very devoted to welcoming the Lord as Advent is all about. Amen. We are out of time. We'll post information about this on our social feeds as well as run some spots across the GRN. God love you, Bishop Strickland. We are very grateful to you for being on today. Thanks, Joe. God bless. All right. Praise be to God. Don't forget, our second hour is pushed back 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern. We'll see you then. God love you. God bless you. Or see you back here tomorrow morning. Until then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Rudy, Rudy. What up? I forgot about that ad. What up? Yeah, praise be to God. Yeah, yeah, you'll talk to more bishops much more commonly now. We talk to bishops. We probably could talk to them more, but honestly, we don't like talking to bishops. Because they're all politicians. They're like, they don't say anything substantive, and you don't have no idea what's going to come out of their mouth. Um, plus, usually they want you to have like pre-written like questions ahead of time. Like, okay, we're only going to talk about these topics. And, when, and it's like, yeah, basically, it's really, really gay. Um, so, no, no. That would be horrible. Uh, though, pfft, there's so many things to cancel me about. Like, whatever. <laughs> uh, my One of my friends was like, we really shouldn't be using the word gay talking about uh, whenever uh, as an insult because we have our same-sex attracted uh, Catholics who are trying to be faithful. I'm like, well, if they're not gay, then they're not gay. <laughs> yeah, that's what exactly. I was like, dude, that's kind of gay. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm like, we, but the, but my the actual, I actually have moral principles of why I refuse. I I say the word gay as an insult and as a joke is because we laughter is war, risability, ridiculing someone. The word ridicule really literally comes from the word to laugh. To uh, and so you, uh, we should make fun of horrible ideologies and. I, and and the homosexuality is disgusting, and therefore uh, we should laugh at it in order so it doesn't become normalized. It's already been normalized. We have to unnormalize it. So we have to make it okay to make fun of them. Mm. Right. Look, all we want is for everybody to be gay. That's it. Everybody has to be gay. That's all. Yeah, it's horrible. They're all, it's very bad. Very, very bad. Honestly, I think 90% of the time it is probably a sin. At least venial. At least. Got in an argument with one of our uh, uh, volunteers yesterday about that. It came up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, nah, she was like, because she was like, yeah, but Catholic schools are good. And I'm like, uh... yeah, maybe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How do I use that term? Yikes, bro. <laughs> Yikes. Imagine. That'd be bad. You're fired. <laughs> nah, I'd be me before you. No. Well, there was one thing, but, you know. Okay. Well, I say uh, we. you have a, you have the, and no, we don't play ads. That's a important thing to know. They may sound like ads, but they are not ads. Um, they're sponsors. Uh, they're because we can get uh, trouble for saying ads. But yeah, because we're a nonprofit, we can't have ads. Mm. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. No problem. I mean, we say the words ads to each other, but publicly, we can't say that we run ads. So we, they're spots, is what we usually say. We run a spot. Um, so that's what uh, that's what Joe was talking about with Bishop Strickland. He's like, oh, we'll run a spot for you. Uh, but for that, it really is not an ad because he's not giving us anything. We don't receive any money from Bishop Strickland, and we were happy to do it for free. So, uh, but people who do give us money, they're sponsors, not not advertisers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, uh, we have a guest for tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, we can do it too on uh Sherathon. Yeah. Sherathon week is impossible. Um we can schedule it out for next week. Yeah. Uh, seven yeah, I mean if that works for him. That's fine. I'm going to reach out. So I got a response from, sorry. <coughs> I got a response from uh, Jesse Romero's wife. She emailed me back. Um, she said it'd be good. She They're interested in coming on um, to give her some dates. So I'm going to give her tomorrow. Do we have Friday open? Okay. 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 Uh, Do you have the Christmas schedule of what our vacation days are? Okay. Just make sure. Uh, that's a good question. What's happening? Okay. Strategizing. What did we strategize so far? So right now, I got uh, Anita got back to me. 
Who's, uh, who's Anita? Oh, uh, Jesse's wife. Oh, okay. Well, Jesse told me no the other day. Oh, really? He finally responded to me. Anita said they, they'd be happy to come on. <laughs> or he would be happy to come on. <laughs> really? He just uh, doesn't like you. Well, that's fine. That's fair. I mean, I don't expect everybody to like me. Um, consistency would be nice, but this is what Jesse told me. Um, I hate you. Go die. Go die. Well, no. He didn't say quite like that. Let's see what his words were. You know, Joe, you are a worst person I've ever met before. Go die. Unquote. That wasn't very Mexican. This quote? It wasn't. You didn't have the accent right. End quote? You didn't have the, Mex- the Californian Mexican what accent. What do the Nazis say? I mean, the grammar Nazis, what are they? How do they say the end quote again? One more unquote. time. Unquote. 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 Uh, no, he says, I think, I don't know if he was referring to j- just the fact that I was asking him for, like, yesterday. He says, I'll be at home around 10.30 p.m. I have weekly, I th- yeah, maybe, because he was telling me he has a, has a midnight holy hour. I don't know if that meant daily or whatever, and he wouldn't be home till like, 1.30 in the morning. So he said, if, you know, 5.35 a.m. would not work for him. <laughs> at any rate, I'm glad you got a great answer and I got a bad one. That's fine. As long as we get him on the show, it's all that matters. By the way, Rudy, uh, just so you know, there are people that we've tried to get that repeatedly say no to us. Me. They say no to me. They never say no to me. They never say no to Adrian, but Adrian won't ask him either. So, hmm. Uh, Father Ripperger, I've asked him several times. Uh, he says no. Um, I'm pretty sure every single person, ever, all of our co-hosts have asked him, and he said no to all of them. Uh, the, 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 um, the, the Canadian priest. Oh yeah, um, I. We had Kim, Kim Sunderman go after him, and yeah, she, and and if she, she was, can't get him. She worked for him personally. Him. Yeah, so she had him yeah. on her, her YouTube channel yeah. that has so, like ten subscribers. He said no. Um. Uh, who else? And if Kim can't get him, no one can. Who else has said? Oh, the hall. Um. He said no to us once. Now I didn't personally ask. I suppose I could, but. It's all right. We can say we can lose my number. We can move on anyway. I I, I had to I had to track them down once that I, when we were. I, I remember that. Story. I used to hire I used to hire them all the time, and he was hiding from me. He didn't want to do our benefit dinner, so I tracked him down and forced him to come. <laughs> I was texting him in his hotel room. It was hilarious. Any rate, um, there were some other people. The uh, who's the other Canadian R- R- Adrian? The YouTube channel. The, the 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 redhead guy. Nah, we had Kennedy on. Kennedy will come on. No, not him. The the Canadian guy. Uh, why can't I remember the man's name? I see his face in my mind. I know who you're talking about too. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. See, Adrian's gotten old all of a sudden. He can't remember things. The old people are are wearing off on him. No, I. Yeah, I am getting. I am. I have holes in my brain for not what, sleeping. What, what? What is his name? His name is. Oh, uh, it's it's an H. Horowitz. Har- it's not Horowitz. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's not Horowitz. It's. You're killing it's me. Hoffman. Ha- it's not Hoffman. It's um, Hollow. Hollingshead? It's, no, it's not Hollingshead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, if I'm declining Dude, as I am right now, I do not want to hear it. It's you too. Holdsworth, thank you. There thank you, go. you. Holdsworth. Anyway, Brian, Brian Holdsworth. Brian. He, he Brian was, he, with the B. Not what, Brian. Whatever. 
Yeah. Jim Holdsworth, Bob Holdsworth. What? I, like, pff, come on, man. Um, you know, but he didn't say no. What he said was, uh, "You can't ask me to be on your show with only one day's notice." I just had our first child. Like, golly gee whiz, I need six months' notice. It's like, dude, I don't feel sorry for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got six kids and three grandkids, and I get up at 3 a.m. I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think it's hilarious. No offense to people with only one kids, Rudy. I'm not trying to offend people with only one kid. But at the same time, I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious because it's like, I remember those days too. And uh, and someday you'll look back and go, yeah, the good days. Remember we only had one? <laughs> and we were doing two-on-one defense? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we it would be good to get him on. So you might want to reach out to him. And if you have to schedule him out, schedule him out. But I think he'd be a good guest at some point. I'm trying to think who else we've asked that have been definite. You know, no thank you. We don't like you. You're not our kind. Matt Fad's probably in that category. Not I have history. I have and that's fine. I'm up to that. Uh, but just so you know, I I, I want to be on it. Like when these people come up, I want to tell you like the backstories and kind of give you all the circumstance so you kind of know what the deal is. But I have some history with Matt Frad. Um I he uh, I wrote a chapter for a book he published way back in the day. And uh, he has been odd ever since. <laughs> Like, really odd. So, he and I, we don't talk. And I have nothing against him personally other than just his odd behavior towards me and some of the other writers of that book. I didn't make any money on the book. I, I gave them my my chapter for free. I never asked for anything. And it was just always really strange behavior. So, I don't know what his deal is. But he, you're welcome to try him. I don't think he'll be on. But you're welcome to try him. Okay. Yeah. It depends. Okay. Okay. Sure. Mm hmm. So. You know, it's a balance act, right? I mean, you want to have great guests on, but your guests need to be timely. That's the challenge for us. Now, we are punching above our weight. Uh, if we were Tucker Carlson, well, we'd have a team of people booking guests. You know, we would, you know, and they would, and they know all the ins and outs. In fact, I reached out to one of the Fox News uh, guest uh, guest bookers. I don't know what's her official title. I don't know. Like, I think they call her the guest producer or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I actually sent her a message and said, hey, I would love to pick your brain for 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be, right? Uh, so she never responded to me, but uh, it would be great if I could arrange something like that just to kind of fi figure out what their best practices are. Um, but, so, but there's a balancing act, right? Because to be honest with you, Tucker probably doesn't schedule too many guests out two weeks out. And the reason why is because the headlines don't work that way. You have to find relevant conversations based on what people are talking about or need to know now. So the balance for us is going to be um, some guests will book out, and then we have to leave ourselves room to find guests that will talk about the stuff that's now. 
So you know, keep that in mind. So maybe one of the strategies is we book some of those guests two weeks out, but we leave our room to manipulate that. So in other words, okay, um, if you have a guest two weeks out that's going to be talking about something that has nothing to do with the headlines, and then a story breaks that day, what are you going to do about that? Like, how are you going to manage that? Uh, maybe they get bumped to, or maybe we make sure that we get a 615 guest that talks about that whatever's breaking that day, right? In order to make sure we're finding that balance. So I don't think we're ever going to escape the need to have to hustle hard to get relevant guests. I don't see a strategy that gets us out of that trouble. Um, but you could just keep in the back of your mind that things are fluid and things are changing. And it doesn't do us any good to have conversations that aren't relevant to the day. Yeah. That's our job. Now, and as, yeah. So I like having those conversations towards the end of the week that are kind of more diverse and more fluffy, let's just say. Um, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that, unless there's a breaking story, of course. But so, in other words, we can get guests on that are interesting two weeks out, but we also have to keep in mind we're going to have to cover the news. So 615 is probably going to be our, our segment to do that. But then we get, but then we also sometimes when we get into that rut, the problem there becomes, well, we're also not covering some of the stories relevant to just the church, for instance. I kind of use my 615 segment for that purpose a lot. You know, I don't, I don't just cover general news. I kind of cover more specific Catholic news or Catholic perspective on news in that, in that particular segment. I call it the what's concerning us segment. So anyway, um, I'm happy to let you book out, but I wanted to throw some of those ideas out there for you to contemplate. Finally. Good grief. <laughs> That's great. I mean, he's been on many times, but he's been not a communicator. He's not. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we were going to get him on to talk about USCCB. Um, you can literally get him on to talk about anything on on um, Crisis Magazine. So if there's any article on Crisis Magazine that like stands out, that you know he can comment on that. Whether he wrote the article or not, he's the editor. You're certainly welcome to try. We need a guest. We need a guest. So he'd be an easy easy one if you can get him on for tomorrow. And what's his book? Yeah, do that. Um, that'd be great. That's fine. Uh, so some of the other things, too, that I am particularly passionate about that uh, I want to make sure we're covering, sex slave trade. I don't feel like it gets nearly enough discussion and topic, so I always look for guests on the sex slave trade. So, for instance, I'm looking at a guy right now here that we had on on the Deliver Fund. That is an organization that we had represented by their president. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. All of a sudden, it's just escaping me. That's fun. That's awkward. Uh, he is uh, He's an interesting character. He's a Christian of some kind, I, probably Protestant. Uh, he used to work for the CIA. He was also Special Forces Air Force. And then uh, he got out of the CIA because 
he was scandalized by the fact that we had tools at the disposal to track down terrorists. But when he found out that those terrorists were involved, also involved in the sex slave trade, they can do nothing about that. He got out and he used some of those techniques to track down sex slave uh, people. So we had him on. He was a great guest. It'd be good to get him back, actually. But uh, we, um, hold on. Why can't I remember the man's name? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, yeah, that's not, that's no, they're like, yeah, that's not our, it's not our bag, man. Uh, um, hold on. I'm tired today. My brain is only half working. Um, which was scary to talk to a bishop when you're tired like that. Um, his name is Nick McKinley. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Nick McKinley. Nick McKinley. Um, so I was going to say, like, guests like this are interesting to me. And I'm going to put it in the, I'm going to put the video that we did with him in the chat there. Um, I find them interesting because he is one of the world's leading experts on the subject of sex slave trade. And um, so one of the other guys was, yeah. I don't, yeah, interesting. I'm not sure he would comment on that, but we could ask. Oh, that's it. Yeah. It, I know. Isn't that interesting? That's uh, so maybe what we do in this case, I would say we should maybe look for an article or something that we can send to them and say, hey, we would love to have your comments on this story, on the case itself. Uh, given the fact that you're an expert in human trafficking, and um, and then see if he'll bite on that, that'd probably be good. And I have an email for his booking agent that we I put you in touch with. So maybe if you found an article, whatever. The other thing I was going to say too is so uh, as I think I shared with you, I steal a lot of inspiration from others, um, proudly so. So uh, Glenn Beck is obviously one of my chief sources to steal from. And um, not from his, his crazy Mormonism. I don't like that. I don't like his revisionist history either. However, um, his style, his capability, his guest selections, topics, those kind of conversations, I really steal from that a lot. So one of the things you're going to see on Glenn Beck's program is he'll, he'll, he'll interview all kinds of different people all the time. Like yesterday, I heard him talking to the mayor of a small town in California who has revolted against the state mandate. Crazy. I can't, they just called the mayor up, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like we can think along those lines too. If we see a story uh, that's interesting, that doesn't include a journalist, a politician or a author or whatever, but just some ordinary person, maybe we track down that ordinary person and then have a conversation around that. So I want you to be thinking in terms of that as well. I saw that email. Yeah, I saw that email. That's crazy. You need to follow up with them and say, would it be possible for us to schedule uh, out into the future? See what they say. Yeah. 
I would love to talk to Dan Crenshaw. I've tried reaching out to his people. Um, I called his office as well months ago, many months ago, and never got it. I, I got Ted Cruz an, told me to pound sand. I got an email from his people, uh, or I sent an email to his people. They never, they never bothered to respond. And Ted Cruz told you to pound sand. Yeah, and Governor Abbott said. Uh, I tried him too. Yeah, Governor Abbott told me you're not a real Catholic. Not coming on. Ain't doing it. I could try to get Ken Paxton back. He he turned me down the last time I asked him. I don't know. But uh, politicians are harder that way, right? I tend to avoid politicians, generally speaking. We just had a politician on. Which one? Bishop Strickland. I see where you're going with that. Oh, I see yeah. where you're going with that. Yeah, did you see me sneak in that smaller diocese argument? Yeah! Break them up, I say. Break up the party. Um, good luck. Good luck, he said. He did say privately a minute ago. That uh, he really feels most bishops make are making decisions based on worldly, worldly desires. Um, what else? So, if you can try to get Eric Sammons for tomorrow, that'd be wonderful. Any any word from uh, Kendra? Tiern. Okay. Now, don't you have her email address, Adrian? Yeah, I gave it to to uh, Rudy. Rudy already. Not like that. See if you can try to get her on the hook for Friday. All right, what else? Who who are you trying to reach out to, Adrian? You said you heard back from somebody. From Jesse. Oh, yes. yes. And you're going to work on getting a date. Yeah, I just responded to her. So I gave her tomorrow on Friday. Oh, you gave her tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, He was going to try to get Eric Sammons for tomorrow. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll see. You already asked her, right? Yeah, I already asked. See if Eric will come on at 6.15. If he says yes and Jesse says no, then we can always bump him. That would be 7.35. Right, so 7.15 won't work. 7.15 won't work. And uh, Yeah, and Jesse's already at 5.35 a.m. Asking him to come on 15 minutes earlier may, may, may upset him. <laughs> exactly. I did. Okay. <laughs> we should send Rudy to ask Patrick Coffin if he'll come back on. That'd live, be hilarious. Live. That'd be so funny. <laughs> he gave me such crap. For I had him on live once, and we had him on pre-recorded twice, and, and he, he twice. Was, well, only once. As far as CDT goes, but I've had him on in the past. Oh. Um. And and he's like, "Oh, Joe, it's too early. Just pre-record." I'm like, "Listen." Pre-recorded conversations at noon for us is like a sleeper. We're like out of energy. We're, we should know. invite him on and tell him he's only allowed. He can only be on if he apologizes for correcting my grammar on Twitter. Yes. Awkward. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, you really correcting my grammar on Twitter? Like, are you kidding me? What do you want me to do? Edit the tweet? <laughs> Correct grammar. <laughs> Ouch. Don't be talking to Michael Voris a lot. Don't say you? that too loud. People are going to find out that we're getting Opus Day dollars. Oh, I wish. Wait. Darn it. You know, it's funny because when I was GM at this radio station, uh, I targeted the Opus Day quite quite heavily. And they were like, nope. I used to no go money to for their, you. I used to go to their, their fancy uh, events. And, and I, 
elbowed with all the, the fancy Opus Dei folk in town, and none of them, do- I had them on the show. I have so many opinions. None of them donated. <laughs> not a dime, because they're not allowed to. Yeah, if you, to Opus Dei. if you are a, uh, a cooperator, if you're at that level. All your money goes yep, to Opus Dei. That's right. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant cult pla- practices. Wait, wait. Whoa, I mean, I didn't say. Awkward. Not allowed to say that aloud. Sorry. Amazing uh, LC uh, strategy. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here we go. Are you, are you going to sell me a multi-level marketing thing? That's what I just heard. <laughs> I, I, I had this conversation with a guy trying to sell me multi-level marketing once. And he's like, well, you just don't understand. Let me get my boss on the line. He puts his boss on the line. And he's like, if you just buy $200 of this purple juice and then get seven other people to do it, then you're going to make your money and then some. I'm like, yeah, but does the purple juice any good? What's that got to do with it? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Uh, anyway, how do we get distracted here? Um, before we, we talk not? about before we talk about moving, let's talk about Alex Morrow. What's the deal? <sighs> Elizabeth Kenori Mora. That's awesome. Right keep part. her keep her email handy. Ouch. Many, many DMs. It's like, please <laughs> tell him to stop DMing me. <laughs> tell him to chill. Hmm. <laughs> Wow, he's more serious about this than we are. About the same amount, actually. The answer, of course, is yes. I will make that exception for him because uh, I feel like he's going to be a great guest, high level. Um, aww. aww. Gosh. Tell, Gosh. Tell him to stop being so serious. <laughs> So, all right, um, as far as pre-records go, it would be my preference. Uh, one, we can't do it on Mondays. It's just too hard, I think. Right, Adrian? Oh, yeah. Um, Mondays are a no-go, and Fridays are not ideal because Friday. Because Friday. But we can do it Friday. Ultimately, it would be great if we could do it in the 11 o'clock hour. T- 10, 10 or 11 central. Like So 10 would be 11 o'clock his time. And 11 o'clock would be 12 o'clock his time. I don't want to do it past that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's getting too late in the day, and my brain is just starting to shut down, and my energy level is really low. So I feel like the conversation quality is not great. Not that the live stuff's better, but at any rate, that's the goal. Um, so see if you can't, you know, somewhere between 10 and 11, but not not no later than, you know, 11.30, 11.45 tops. Like, that'd be like the max, right? Um, I don't, definitely don't want to do it in the noon hour, our time. That's just, it's too hard. And it would be too hard for him. I imagine he's like me. And he 
By then, he's, he's exhausted, I'm sure. Joe said, I imagine he's like me. We the same. Awkward, but okay. Mm-hmm. You never seen that meme? Dude, yeah. I have his poster hanging on my bedroom wall, so I would not be surprised to learn that, like me, he also drinks awesome amounts of black coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the judge says about cease and desist, or don't come by, whatever. Okay? Awkward. Awkward. All right, so uh, that's cool. So let us know what you got there. Uh, I don't think there's anything on the calendar that would conflict with this. Anything, Adrian? No. Yeah. Next week. Except for December the 8th, right? December the 8th is, uh, um, yeah. Why is the 8th grade out, Adrian? 8th grade out. So I'm looking at the Excel spreadsheet, the CDT calendar spreadsheet, but, uh, so which makes me, brings me to another point. If, Rudy, I would encourage you to find other tools or figure out what tools are going to work better, what aren't, to keep everybody in the know. It should not know. be grayed out. No. <gasps> I have been in a sauna. Uh, I used to, when I worked Dude. out all the time, got into the sauna. I used to jog in the sauna. Does that, was that what you meant? Okay. Um, you said jog in a sauna? Yeah. How is that possible? Jog in place. You jog in place. In sauna. Oh, that's okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, now Janice, when she was here, she used to try to rec push something similar to that on us. Now the only, the only caveat to that I would say is that probably works most of the time with guests that you're trying to, uh, is this a situation, maybe I should clarify, is this a, a tool that says you send a, an invite to a guest and you say, Hey, we'd love to have you on. He click this link and you'll find all the available options about what's available. They choose one and then that becomes booked. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, show that to me because I'd be more interested. Because what she was trying to push was something like that. And I, and I would always say, well, I mean, I guess that works for most of the time, but you're going to have some guests that are not going to want to go through an effort to figure out what works for you because <laughs> you're asking them. You know, so I, yeah, I want to, I, I just want to be somewhat careful about how we, how we pose that to our guests. But otherwise, yeah, let's see it. Let's see what you got. Because I would, I mean, if we can find something that's more, that's cleaner, more organized, whatever, more efficient, I'm all about it. But I like the spreadsheet because it just works to know who's on. Like, for instance, going backwards, like, when did we have such and such on? Well, I can go backwards and see that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, show us what you got and then uh mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. TweetDeck used to be great. I used to use TweetDeck a lot, but then TweetDeck stopped working for some of the platforms. And then some of the platforms announced that they were going to they were going to throttle TweetDeck posts because they wanted to force you to be on their their platforms natively. Rather annoying. And I loved one of the things I loved about TweetDeck was I could see my feeds in one place. I just go to one place and see them all. Yeah. But I haven't used it in a long time now. Okay, before I forget, before we move on, why don't you go ahead and send a request to Eric Salmon sort of tentatively and say, hey, listen, there I think we may have an open slot tomorrow morning, uh you know, seven thirty five Eastern. Would you be up for that? And then kind of leaving yourself up an out if Jesse confirms. We could also um do hold on. Or you can push him to Friday. Oh, uh, you could say uh Give them the date. Say, hey, as of the time I want to send this email, this slot's open if you're available. And then whoever gets to us first yeah. uh, gets the slot. And we just ask them if they could do another, a different day instead. Yeah. Yeah, second. Yeah, don't scare him off. He's hardly responding now. <laughs> please, please come on. <laughs> Can't it would? Is it okay? Pretty, Hello. please. Hello, master. Ma please. Massa. Please. He prefers Massa. Massa. <laughs> Are we on air? What? Dang. I still can't believe that an SUV ran over all those people. Uh, yeah, exactly. On um, the believable, they should arrest that SUV. Um, they should impound. What it. we should do is, not, dude, it's not a dog. It makes no sense. Um, the we could invite them on and just talk about a roundup of crisis articles. 
Yeah. That'd be good. That's good too. But also his book is I love it and we should talk about it all the time. Which one? Deadly Indifference. That's the one uh, Rudy was suggesting as well. Yeah. I haven't read it, but I've listened to people talk to him about it and I like it. Hey, I like the concept. Before I forget, Carol Roth, the author of The War on Small Business. I'm I've tried to reach out to her, she didn't reciprocate, but she would be good to talk about inflation. At some point. Which, by the way, the Fed announced that they're no longer going to be using the term transitory when discussing inflation from now on. That's good. I didn't know what the word meant anyways. (laughs) I can't read. I I can't read. Based. Done. What's next? World peace? (laughs) That's what we had uh, Mike from RTF to talk about, but we never ended up talking about that. We just we, like we did talk a little it. bit. Yeah, we like it, brought yeah. it up. Yeah, but I would like to get Carol Roth if we could. She's probably some Protestant lady, but I wanted yeah, to focus. Cringe. I wanted to focus on uh, the inflations. Well, it's not as bad as uh, Rudy's uh, theological Gordon Conwell Seminary theological <laughs> degree in Old Testament Protestant. Yikes. <laughs> Did he ever respond? Probably not, huh? I don't think anybody from the Blaze ever responds. I've tried a few times. Protestants. Yikes. Cringe. Uh, no, Mormons. Leadership is Mormon. That's even worse. But, uh, but yeah, there are a lot of Protestants that work there. <clears throat> Perfect. Send. Send it. <clears throat> okay, I no so idea. the way I, I, for me, it was just, I was graying things out as we go. So, like, for instance, I would gray out today's line. And just so that my brain can see very quickly what's done and what's still to come, right? So I'm not, my mind, my eyes aren't lost in the sea of details. I can just go straight to what's, what he's saying what's is coming he's old. next. Yeah, exactly. Um, I won't. Preach it, brother. Preach it, Rudy. Preach I'm it. I'm planning on dying by 33 or mm. at the latest 49. Mm. Wait, Wait I have these thoughts like almost every day. It's funny. But I think I might just be fat. (laughs) You've been hanging out with me too long. Uh, All right. Let's talk about, uh, because it's already 742. We have an hour before we have to be on Sherathon, so I need to uh, wrap up here a little bit. But I'm looking at uh, parrot videos that are very distracting to me at the moment. Um, Let's talk about moving. Moving. So what is your plan? Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. January 8th and 9th. When I'm hunting in West Texas, I see where you're going with this. Mm. So, like, oh, let's let's start with, forget about the actual days right now. But what what are your needs when it comes to moving? Like, what do you what how, what do you how how do you plan to do it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And do you need someone to pick her up and get her where she's got to go? Are you sure? I mean, we can greet her at the airport. I mean, give her a ride. I mean, I'm not opposed to making sure that happens. Well, it's a strange new world, right? I mean, friendly face may be helpful. Now, do you have you already located a place to stay? I mean, have you, do you have an apartment on the hook or? Okay. Okay. Do you need someone to drive by there and take a look at the place? I mean, kind of get a lay of the land or. They always put the best photos they got. Ask Adrian how that worked out. I got my apartment without visiting it. And how did that go? There's rats in my ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a leak after our second month above. uh, And our trash cans, our uh, garbage, our um, dumpsters are so filled with trash that it's like overflowing onto the floor. That's gross. That's probably where the rats come from. (laughs) <laughs> if you'll send me the addresses maybe I can try to swing by and take a look at those places for you alright so are you are you trailering your car after all or have you decided not to do that okay but you're already hitched <laughs> you should make this more complicated, Rudy, as much as possible. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Like she has no means. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and car pr- car pricing right now is terrible.
Okay, so you're going to be driving the U-Haul, potentially your car, to Texas. How long is that going to take you? Wow. And so your plan would be to leave on a Friday and then still be available on Monday? Or do you need to take time off? I mean, I'm all right with that. I just need to know. So you need to let me know what day. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay, there we go. He's right. booked, then. I'll let Anita know that we're not free tomorrow. Praise be to God. Um, awesome. Oh, Good. she just got back to me and said he's ready. He can do tomorrow. Are you kidding? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dang. happened to us before, though. How do we go from feast to famine so quick? Famine <laughs> <I mean, laughs> to feast? Famine to feast. That's what I meant to say. All right. Uh, so you got to let us know your schedule, your timing, <sighs> days off, what, what you need. You let us know. We want to help. You just got to <sighs> let us know what your needs are. Okay? That's, you. That's on you, Rudy. Um, now, as far as my schedule goes, so... My wife is the one who really wants me to take that particular week off. She always wants the, the weekend after Christ, the week after Christmas off. So if I had to help with the show that week, I would do it from home. I'm trying not to do anything that week other than be available to my to my family. Uh, I every year I tend to go hunting that uh, like what will be the January eighth and ninth. I tend to go hunting that week because I rarely get great opportunities to hunt. And when I get them, I try to take them. And then that week is usually that weekend's usually the weekend I get invited to hunt on private land in Hondo. Um, so I, if if you are going to come into town and you need my help, then I'm going to be here to do that. And I'm, I'm not trying to put any guilt trip on you. I'm just going to let you know up front. But you just need to let me know what your needs are, and then I'll make sure that you you get covered. But as far as my vacation goes, uh, I intend to, I was going to start this process either today or tomorrow recruiting some volunteers to help out with the show while I'm gone. So uh, a third person's always going to be helpful, especially for the game show. So I was going to so ask around. one thing to throw a wrench into that, I can we suggest doing a best of week? Yeah. Because the I also was planning on taking off almost the same days uh, because they're having a – I was going to go to the TFP conference, which had just got the dates for um, – Three days ago. Okay, so, okay, two principles. Principle number one, we need to make sure we're communicating about when we want days off as a team so that we can we don't run into, like, conflicts like this. So I need to do better. We all need to do better. Let's just make sure we're telling everybody, hey, listen, I want to be off such and such so we cover our bases. Number two, that means we need to work on best of for that week, which may be the best option if we did a best of week. Because that takes the pressure off of everybody, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to include you, Rudy, being able to come that week instead of the following week, right? If we did a best of uh, on the 20, 27th through the 30th, 31st. Okay.
Okay. Well, I'm going to leave it on to you to tell us what your what your deal is. But if we're going to do best of the 29th to 31st, a couple of things is we're going to have to fill them with guest segments and not news, right? Because right. the news won't be timely anymore um, and confusing, which means we'll have to pre-program an hour and a half for five days. Um, to that end, Adrian, maybe you're going to need to organize that. And if you need help with editing or whatever, we're going to need you to tell us what your needs are. Right. So the 27th, we could do a show because I wouldn't leave until the 28th. Maybe even uh, – so that's why, yeah, so I wanted to bring that up. So the 28th is a day they're leaving. I asked Mr. Cesar what time they're leaving on the 28th because – I'm going to hitch a ride with the TFP guys to sure. drive up there. Okay. And if they're leaving in the later in the in the morning, mm-hmm. then I might just we could do probably do a show the 27th and the 28th and I just leave on the 28th. Okay. Everything and So, okay, well this affects so. me asking for volunteers. So, mm-hmm. I need to know right away how many I need. Right. So, I'll talk to Mr. Cesar today, see what time, but definitely the 27th. I won't be I'll be here 27th. So okay. Can, so, I need a volunteer for mm-hmm. at least the 27th and Rudy you're going to be available that day as well, right? Okay, then, and potentially also, no, that's Monday, the 27th. Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday, December the 27th. Yeah. Right. And then the 28th, would you be available that day as well, if, if possible? Okay. So I'm going to work on looking at two, and then, Adrian, you tell me if you're not going to be around, then I guess we can cancel the 28th. Right. And then you'll need to begin the best of process for the rest of the week. Correct. Okay. Um, and then you get back when? So I'm supposed to be back in studio that following Monday, which okay. is the f- third. Okay. And correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. Right. Head out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then as long as, like, uh, and that could also give you a chance to uh, uh, play the, not have to worry about that and get ahead on finding guests and stuff. Yeah. Gives us a reprieve. Um, And then, uh, of course, when you're in studio, uh, there's going to, I want to, one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to have, like, a meeting like this, but together, obviously, and we're going to, I'm going to, talk about the sort of the agenda for the 2022 year and some of the goals that we need to accomplish as a team and some of the tasks that we're going to be doing. So this will give us a kind of a break before we have to kind of roll up our sleeves for the next year. It'd be kind of good, but Adrian, that's a lot of production work. So let us know. Yeah. Let us know what the needs are. Yeah. It'll be easier since we're doing a best of rather than new content. That's, that's horrible. Um, especially for that many days. Um, but since it's the best of, I think the har- the hardest part is picking what we're going to do. It's going to have to be not news-related. Um, Maybe just looking oh, at popular videos on YouTube. That reminds me. Station of the Cross contacted me, wants to know if we are going to, for Christmas Eve, should they plan on having a, are we going to have a pre-recorded CDT show? Or are we going to, uh, what are we going to do? Because they said if they're not, they don't want to play EWT and they're going to have their own content. So, Len, <clears throat> Len and Toy were asking me about all these holidays coming up and holy days and whether or not we we're going to have content. And my answer is, well, I won't know that until we get there, right? If we don't do a show on the 24th, 
what are we going to put in its place? What what is EW10 airing that might be really good or special? Like for some time, I think every year they do a an audio drama of Christmas Carol. Mm. That's kind of cool. Uh, I like that. Uh, I in fact I always wanted to produce our own. Um, so I wouldn't mind not having a show if that got aired and then Station Across can do whatever they wanted. But uh, not knowing in advance kind of what those are, being able to wrap my head around that far out. And we don't have that access to what EWT is doing yet? I d- I have to, that's the problem is it's just wrapping my head around asking. Tom Price is our guy at EWT, and I could ask him ahead of time, say, hey, what, what's on the agenda? And I can get an idea. But honestly, I just have my bandwidth has been shot, and I haven't done that. Yeah. So um, what's our answer EW, to, to them? I mean, it would probably be good if we didn't have a show on the 24th. This way we can be more focused on uh, on Christmas, mm-hmm. um, but we obviously have to have a program for that. So, right. uh, so I would say this: this is just one more cog in the wheel. Now that we have to think about it, but if there was something truly special we could do, pre-record for that day, great. Otherwise, I'm all right with just letting EW10 have their special content as well. Okay, I'd be all right with that. But I don't know what would be truly special. I mean, you know what I mean? That's uh, particular to Christmas. Um, man, I'd love to someday produce an audio drama. I really want to produce an audio drama someday. Yeah, probably not by the 24th. Probably not by the 24th. Maybe for the 24th <laughs> of next year. But if you double dog dare me. What if I triple dog dare you? Then we do it. We'd All right. It. I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> that requires a lot more work on my part, too. <laughs> it's exactly right. All right. Um. Was that helpful at all? Anything else? Wow, you're way better than me. Um, I took zero notes. Zero notes. All right. So you're going to follow up on Kendra. Tyranny? Tyranny, right? For tomorrow. Uh, Otherwise, we could get Jesse on tomorrow, I suppose, is an option. Uh, Forgive me. I meant Friday. My bad. Um, what do y'all think about having? Um, what do y'all think about having a priest? I'm not saying for this Friday. I'm just saying in general, uh, f- having a the uh, director for the Angelic Warfare Confraternity come on and talk about the Angelic Warfare for like a Friday. Yeah, that sounds oh. like a good good Friday upbeat demonic oppression top type of topic. Cool. <laughs> I just reached out to them. Upbeat, and I was. Like, uh, what on. about on for a Christmas related theme? We talk about. Uh, a traditional teaching and understanding about about uh, you know where it comes from the feast of Christmas, Christmas tide, uh, yeah, and uh, Our Lady suffering through the birth pangs. <sighs> Whoa! Yeah, how about Chris? How about pegging Christmas trees? I did a whole yeah, I did a whole podcast Fish on Fish Eaters. Did Our Lady experience birth pains? Yes. Let's. But who would be a good uh, guest to have on? You based. Ouch. Uh, you might want to stay in California because we'll be fired soon enough. And then you can just be with family. As Nova sort of watch. The world comes to an end. One of my favorite sources of news on the Pope. Pope. Yes. All right. Uh, keep thinking about that. Maybe a great guest on that topic would be wonderful. What about someone from a new liturgical movement? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a historian might be good. Historian, historian, a history Catholic historian. You mean a historian? Not a historian. Not a a historian. Why would a historian know about the labor pains of Our Lady? 
uh, historian that knows, is an expert in church teaching, church history rather, uh, and would know what the church's traditional understanding is of Christmas and and what the church taught on birth pangs from the beginning. Of course, a church historian that's worth their weight would obviously know all of that. Um, so to be thinking about that, uh, in times, I still want to do something on 